Welcome to This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. This is the podcast edition of this week's show. If you would like to watch the video of this week's show, head over to our website at twilighttv.org. To learn more about all the stories you hear in this episode, you can visit that same website, and we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Kristen Oaks-White. And I'm Avery Davidson. Thank you for joining us for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, the only TV show bringing Louisiana farmers and consumers together every week. Well, every day this week, the high temperatures have been in the triple digits, and the overnight lows have been in the upper 70s and low 80s. We know another week of Twyla, and we're still talking about the heat. I think we're going to be talking about it for a while, and that's because everyone is feeling it, from the children playing in the yard, the postal service workers delivering the mail, and the farmers and ranchers raising and harvesting the food we eat. This week, Twyla's Carl Wiggers visits a beef cattle farm near, near Clinton to show us how the cows are beating the heat. The trail of dust following this cattle is telling. They are following Amelia Kent, who is trying to find some greener pastures. We've been hovering abnormally dry D0 and D1 for at least a month or two. The effects of this drought are clear in these pastures. However, Kent says her fields are even more behind schedule due to tough freezes at Christmas and early this spring. This is very much so a domino effect in terms of last year's weather challenges very quickly flooding into this year's weather challenges affecting this next calf crop that hasn't even been born yet. The hot dry weather is not only making the fields dusty, but cattle are not eating as much of the grass that is in front of them. This means lighter cattle are heading to market. When you're coming up 25 or 50 pounds lighter than you should, and those calves are worth two plus dollars a pound, that's very quickly becoming 50 or 100 plus dollars of lost revenue on that animal because you're coming up short on weight. Higher market prices are nice to see, but Kent's optimism is guarded because of high input costs. As you can see, the cows want to be in the shade and close to or even in the water. Water and shade access are just as important as an abundance of grass to graze. This particular property, we have ponds in almost every field. Whereas on all of our other properties, with the exception of one, we have fresh water. We have water lines run through the length of the property, feeding water tanks. While it's nice to have ponds here, Kent has had a tough time keeping enough grass for cattle to graze in these fields. This particular farm has struggled more than all of our other locations in terms of being dry. All of them are dry. I am chasing grass everywhere, but especially here, what should be a slower rotation is going a lot faster than it should just to keep grass in front of the cows. In Clinton, Louisiana, I'm Carl Wiggers for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. Just like many of us may have a little higher electric bills running our air conditioners so hard this summer, farmers are seeing higher bills as well. Kent told me a story about just a single week of a cattle herd being at our headquarters increased the water bill at that property more than four times the normal amount. For reference, she has seven different properties with water meters that she's getting a bill for. And you guys, that's something that it's hard to, for, for me to grasp. I have a single water bill, single electric bill that mm -hmm. I'm dealing with. And, you know, thinking about the scale of these farmers and the amount of mouths to feed, mm -hmm. it's a lot of input costs these farmers are dealing with. It is, and like you said earlier, they they're not out grazing no they're sitting the in the shade like that it, it's so hot outside 
that they're not, so that's another thing that could be a cost later on down the road if when if she's taking any of these cattle to market, they're not gaining the weight. Yeah, that's, that that's exactly what she would. was saying. That's the, story, that's the story she was telling the entire time. It's just they're not making weight because they're just wanting to sit in the shade. And I can't blame them after being out there in, in the field. I wanted to be in the shade in the truck too. So it's a, it's hot out there and I, I really hope these cattle farmers can can get some relief and some a couple showers will go a long ways in helping green up these pastures. It will. Thanks so much, Carl Wiggers. Well, the brutal temperatures are also affecting Louisiana crops. Yeah, anything that negatively affects Louisiana's crops also brings down our rural economies. That's especially true for soybeans. Dr. Michael Diliberto, an ag economist with the LSU Ag Center, says weather here and in the Midwest is affecting the price farmers receive for their soybeans. If farmers don't make money on their crops, they don't have that money to spend in their communities. In the case of soybeans, the price fluctuates with supply and demand. Diliberto says the USDA may be overestimating the supply side for soybeans, but the demand side shows a 10% year-to-year drop in U.S. soybean exports, something vitally important to Louisiana. 60% of the corn and soybean exports that we export out of the U.S., it comes through Louisiana, it comes down the Mississippi River. So we're fortunate that we have buying points here. However, I go back to the quality issue and what producers unfortunately remember all too well from last year that, you know, would too much moisture be the same as not enough moisture because soybeans, what a producer is going to receive in his pocket is going to be a function of not only yield but also quality as well. Now, believe it or not, soybean harvest is already underway here in Louisiana. We'll let you know how it's going over the coming weeks. If you're looking for something to do on a Saturday morning, the Red Stick Farmers Market has more than 50 member farmers with a variety of locally grown products available. This week, Twilight's Trevor Williams takes us to the downtown Baton Rouge Farmers Market that connects farmers and their bounty to their community's table. I'm here at the Red Stick Farmers Market that's soon coming up on their 26th anniversary. Some things that you're sure to find are fresh produce, family, friends, and tradition. As you walk around the Red Stick Farmers Market, you will find vendors selling fresh produce grown directly from their own farm. Every Saturday morning, local baked goods, produce, and plants are available for purchase. The market's community engagement coordinator, Ali Schleter, believes that providing fresh produce from Louisiana farmers is a vital part of the local economy. It's all local, which means it's coming from our furthest vendors two and a half hours away um, versus produce that you get at the store from Mexico or other countries. Um, you're keeping it in the Louisiana economy. Along with the food you eat, you're also bound to have a good time, rain or shine. From the music to the vendors, the Red Stick Farmers Market welcomes everyone to experience all they have to offer. And to just the amount of people that come and gather, um, we have a lot of regulars who have been coming for 15 plus years. Um, and so it's just really cool to see. The Red Stick Farmers Market is a place not only to go grocery shopping, but spending quality time with your family. For customers like Jenny Luckett, she visits the market whenever she can get her family out of bed. We don't come often enough. We, you know, we don't come regularly, but when we do, it's, it's a special event. The family makes a concerted effort to get up early and en enjoy this special time together. Luckett says shopping at the market is not only good for the body, but for the farmers. Getting the fresh produce here instead of the store is just, it's just, it's healthier. It feels healthier and I don't know, it just like makes you feel good supporting farmers who just work so hard and you just getting good stuff from the earth. <laughs> and is why the Red Stick Farmers Market is good for the community. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I'm Trevor Williams for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. 
The farmers I talk with have already begun preparing for their fall crops, but you can always find the freshest seasonal produce at the market. To plan your visit to the Red Stick Farmer's Market or learn more about becoming a vendor, head over to our website at TwilightTV.org. You know, it was so many things out there, so many mm -hmm. cool things, but the one thing I was surprised they had out there was wine tasting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. The Amato family, they do that, that every week. But, mm. you know, it's great getting to the end of a glass or a bottle of wine, but all good things must come to an end. And Trevor... <sighs> Yes. Wrapping up your internship with us, yes. tell me what's this experience been like? This experience has been everything that I wanted it to be from the first day I walked in. Everyone here has just greeted me with just so much kindness. Oh, that's Kristen who has the kindness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, more of Kristen than you. But no, it's just been everything that I wanted it to be. So I'm just so grateful and thank you both so much. We were so happy to have your help. You've been a five-star intern. Oh, thank yeah. We're, we're glad. I mean... Where else can you go, be an intern, and get things on the air, you know? So you did excellent work, and Thank we're going to miss having you around here, Trevor. I'm going to miss I'm, you guys, too. But I'm so glad that you decided to come here. Thank you, Thank Trevor you. Williams. Thank you. Well, Vernon Parish is about as rural a parish as you can get and known for its thick, its thick stands of timber. However, an archaeological discovery is shining a spotlight on this rural parish. As Twilight's Neil Melanson tells us, there have been people there since the last Ice Age. Deep in the woods of Vernon Parish, there's a secret. In fact, we're not allowed to tell you exactly where this is. However, people since the last Ice Age have known about it. One of those is Matt Helmer, who says here in rural Louisiana, the first people got here more than 12,000 years ago. The site looks like it was continuously occupied from that era at the end of the Ice Age all the way through Poverty Point times, the other mound building cultures such as Marksville, the LSU campus mounds. This place was continuously occupied all the way through, all the way up to the present day, and that's pretty rare for us in Louisiana. These holes are from ancient posts that were likely where a home was. Another way scientists know how old this place is is the arrowheads that come from the Clovis people. Several have been found at sites in the Kasachi National Forest, including a partial one here. University of Louisiana at Lafayette researcher Erlen Johnson says the land was much different back then. But the Clovis are the first widely accepted broad uh, habitation and they're traditionally uh, thought to have been large game hunters. There's some differences in interpretation that are emerging now but they're hunting. People think of the Clovis as going out and hunting mammoths. They joke about Clovis points as the AK-47 of the you know of the uh, Paleo-Indian period. Johnson didn't bring his students out here to dig on a hunch. He says for good and ill, the site is a target-rich environment. From previous studies, so there was a phase one study where they systematically tested all of this and uh, just some of the highest density. So we knew that there was probably going to be something good here. It's also been heavily looted, which tells you that people are finding stuff. On top of looting, this area was heavily damaged during Hurricanes Laura and then Delta, which you can still see signs of here. Helmer had just two days afterwards to get the funding to secure this site. This area got heavily damaged in a Hurricanes Laura and Delta in 2020, and so we knew how important this site was. The damage from the storm, so you guys can see all around here, all of the uprooted trees. That brings all these root balls up to the surface that rips all of that archaeological material out of context. The dig here in Vernon Parish is not just a chance for us to learn about Louisiana's past, but for Louisiana students to learn a career. Sarah St. Germain here is a student at ULL. She's sifting through dirt for artifacts and picking up insights. Many of the tools and artifacts being discovered here were for the preparation and use of food. The site is so old that agriculture was in primitive form here. Large-scale cultivation in, in the southeast didn't really happen until 
um, you know, 500 to 1,000 years ago here, what we call the, the Mississippian period, where you had, you know, larger scale ex uh, cultivation of, of corn and beans and things like that. But what we do think is that people practice horticulture, so not full-scale domestication, but they would have, you know, semi-domesticated plants that they, they obviously, they, they intimately knew these environments and, you know, there's plants that they could have planted in small gardens around their house of wild plants, you know, say, finding a muscadine vine or something like that that would be amazing if we could get some more information, you know, relative to kind of what we call, you know, early horticultural practices. Even though the site raises as many questions as it answers, this archaeological jewel in rural Vernon Parish still offers insights into both the past and present, even after all these millennia. Now, it's hard for a lot of us, I think, as, uh, you know, Afro-Europeans as uh, more recent transplants to completely identify with native peoples here. But, you know, it's an important part of all our history and something we should all try to connect with as well as we look at the landscapes that we inhabit today. There's no telling how many more archaeological sites are concealed in the woods here in Vernon Parish, but one thing is clear, these sites are critical to the history of the collective people of Louisiana. Reporting for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, I'm Neil Malasa. Now the research is ongoing at this site and a lot more could be discovered. For more, we'll link you over on our website at twilatv.org. Super cool, super cool. Well, still to come on Twyla, harvest is here and we have some safety tips for you. But first we sit down with a candidate running for Louisiana Secretary of State. Stay with us. Thanks for staying with us here on Twyla. You know, on October 14th, voters in Louisiana will go to the polls and vote on a number of races, including the race for Secretary of State. Joining me now is one of the candidates who is running for that position, Speaker of the House Clay Sheck Snyder. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Avery. Thank you for having me here. Well, I know you're one of the Republicans who's running in this race, but you have a background sort of fitting with agriculture in that you were chair of the House Ag Committee for a number of years. Yeah, for, you know, my second term for four years, I was, I was uh, awarded to be uh, and, and very glad to be the chairman of House Ag. Uh, those four years under the leadership of uh, Speaker Barra, we did a lot. Uh, you were there with us a lot on it. And uh, I think uh, moving forward, just, you know, look, being the chairman of House Ag, being the Speaker of the House, loving agriculture like I have, I think in the last couple of years, um, we have moved the needle a lot for agriculture in the state of Louisiana to just show how important it really is. So why are you running for Secretary of State? I mean, you, you were Speaker of the House. Uh, at one point, you were looking at a couple of other races and then settled on Secretary of State. You know, as we were looking at all of that during the session and during these last four years, we were trying to figure out a, a spot where I could go and actually make a difference like I did as a legislator. You know, when I first ran for the legislature, the one thing that I wanted to do was make a difference for my children and my grandchildren. Uh, before that, I never had any aspirations to be in politics and uh, never wanted to run for election of any kind. I've always been the guy to try to help people. But getting there and being as successful as we have been, uh, I want to continue to do that. And running for Secretary of State, most people don't realize it, but it's it's one of the most important, if not the most important, uh, statewide elected office that we have. So running for it to make sure that our election systems stay uh, 
safe and secure, uh, making sure that we don't have any overreach from federal government to come in and try to manipulate elections. Those are the key things that I want my kids and my grandkids to be able to know that when they wake up in the morning, the path that we blade laid moving forward, they have a secure and safe place to vote. I know that the Secretary of State oversees a lot of things. You brought up elections, but also the state archives, another thing that falls under Secretary of State. How important are these issues to you? Very important. And look, one of the other things that falls underneath there is the, the GoBuzz site. It's, it's very important to small business. Look, I, I didn't realize how important it is, me being a small business guy and being able to navigate that system. It's pretty friendly. I want to make that much easier. I want more small businesses to be able to thrive here and know that they can go to that website and they can navigate it much easier. Same thing with the archives. You know, it's really important that we have an, a system that protects those archives and being able to have access to them when we need them. It's in a good place. Look, even the election side, we rank six nationally on election integrity. That's huge. That's huge. We hear all the negative things about, you know, we're 39th here and we're 40th here and we're last here. We're not last when it comes to election integrity and confidence. We rank six nationally, and that's huge for us as a state. Well, do you think that speaks to the culture of Louisiana? Because, you know, Kentucky has the Derby. Indianapolis has the 500. 500. Louisiana has politics. Absolutely. And, and politics here is much different than it is everywhere else. And I think people enjoy the politics. They love the stories of legislators and, and governors from the past and their personalities. And we have those personalities now at the legislature. So, yes, I do believe it's, it's part of our culture. But I do believe that we, you know, seeing what we have now, seeing where we want to be, making sure that we make the right steps forward, we could be number one by the time this gets done. If I'm elected, that's going to be my goal. I, we can always have more improvement and, and make things much better, and that's going to be something that we're going to strive for. I'll make this the last 30-second question here. What was it about your time as Speaker of the House that you feel prepared you to become Secretary of State? Look, the one thing I think that made a huge difference is, one, look, I'm a conservative Republican, but I'm also a person who tries to build bridges and being able to cross the aisle and not lose any of my values, but be able to support the other side as well to make people come together and work together. I think you've seen that these last four years as a whole, uh, being able to have meaningful legislation that both sides can agree on. Look, we all wanted lower taxes. We all wanted better pricing on insurance. We all wanted more jobs. That's not a Republican or Democrat thing. That's a people thing. And we've done those things. Being able to be conservative, spending money in the right places. Uh, look, in the history of Louisiana, we've never had $2.6 billion sitting in a savings account as the legislature leaves out. That's what we have right now. And that was built up over these last four years with good uh, budgeting having a great leadership team in, in Baton Rouge and great legislators. So I think those things in dealing with a pandemic, those things have prepared me to be able to go in and actually manage an office like the Secretary of State's office. Well, I know people across the state are looking forward to meet you face to face. Clay Sheck Snyder, Speaker of the House and now running for Secretary of State. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me this morning. Thank you. Still to come on Twyla, we're going to go and take a look at how harvest is going in your fields next.
Rice, corn, and even soybean harvest is in high gear across Louisiana, which means there will be a lot more activity and extra equipment on the roads over the next few months. Twilight's Carl Wiggers visits a South Louisiana rice farm to offer some tips to farmers and rural residents to keep in mind to ensure everyone traveling our country roads makes it home safely. Combines are busy across Louisiana. In the north, they're harvesting corn and soon soybeans, and in the south, they're cutting rice. But when these fields are complete, these machines must move on down the road to the next, and that's where an urgent need for safety comes into play. Safety is always important to everybody. You know, it should be a, a big priority. John McLean is a rice farmer in Vermilion Parish. His neighbors can expect an increase in activity on the road near farms at this time of year. We don't want to see ourselves or anybody else get hurt or cause an accident or be involved in an accident. Um, people may see trucks on, on different roads that they don't see uh, typically most other times of the year. Uh, so we're going in different places that they're not going year round. However, Louisiana Farm Bureau's Safety Programs Assistant Matt Sergo says those accidents do happen. Unfortunately, the majority of traffic fatalities that happen in the U.S. do happen on rural roadways and heavy machinery is a big part of that as well. So we just all have to work together and just be mindful of each other out on the road. People need to be more alert and uh, pay attention to what's going on around them. They may see a truck pull out of a drive that they don't normally see there, or most people, they, they kind of know where they see the tractors and combines on the roads uh, when they're moving around just because we've been working those fields throughout the year, so they may be expecting that. As you can see from this drone footage, this equipment is large and it moves slowly. That's why it's important for us to remember these things when taking back roads passing our neighbor's farm. Well, the biggest thing to remember is that these are your neighbors, and these men and women are doing their best to try to provide us with food on our tables, and they're working long hours. So they'll do their best to accommodate you as they go, because they know that these vehicles are going to be moving a lot slower, and then it does pose a risk. But the fact of the matter is, is that these, this equipment does need to get from field to field, and they do have to use public roads as part of that process. So it's just an important thing to remember that these are your neighbors and treat them like that while they work through this time. In Vermilion Parish, I'm Carl Wiggers for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. That's such an important message for all drivers, so please remember, be cautious, patient, and kind while driving through rural areas this time of year, especially the patient part. I know. While harvest can be a dangerous time on the roadways, it's also a very exciting time. In this week's Twila Boost, we bring you some of our favorite harvest photos shared on social media this week. Adrian Zonbrecher Fontenot shared this sunset shot from St. Martin Parish. And a little further west, Caroline Doe's captured this picture at her family's farm in Jeff Davis Parish. We can almost smell the fresh-cut rice in this shot from Gabby Fontenot. These amazing photos from the cornfields of Tinsall Parish are courtesy of Hardwick Planning Company. And this corn harvest footage comes from Ethan Poland in Franklin Parish. But as you hear us often say, farming is a family affair, and many youngsters are spending the last few days of their summer break taking in this year's harvest. Some are dodging the heat and observing it from the cab of the combine, while others seem to be learning the tricks of the trade. And it looks like some little ones are just plain worn out from the hard work. We hope these photos boosted your spirits as much as they boosted ours. We truly love seeing all of the harvest photos and hope you continue to share them with us by using the hashtag LAHarvest23 or tagging Louisiana Farm Bureau or Twyla TV in your posts. Well, that does it for this edition of Twyla. Be sure to join us next week when we'll update you on the Farm Bill and show you how it affects everyone who eats. 
Until then, you can watch all of our stories online at twilighttv.org, and be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all of these stories and much more on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when we put out new content. For all of us here at Twyla, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you again right here next week. If you would like to watch the video form of this episode of Twyla, head over to our website at twylatv.org. You can also find all the information related to all the different stories in this episode at that website. Again, that's twylatv.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.